0: This is 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. Thank you very much for listening. This is episode 10, which is going to be the final episode of season five. So if you've been listening, I hope you've enjoyed it. We're going to take a short break and then we'll get back with season six as soon as possible. I already have most of the guests lined up. um, But in the meantime, we'll put out some compilation episodes to keep you entertained from the previous season. And if you've got any idea for someone you'd like to hear on 7 Million Bikes, then feel free to drop me a message with that suggestion. And also remember, if you're in Saigon, then make sure you come along to a comedy show. You can see all the events on 7millionbikes.com. And if you do come along, make sure you come and say hello. I always love meeting people who listen to the podcast. Now, we have a great guest today to finish the season. She's a German-Vietnamese DJ who's just been featured in Vice magazine. We talk about the music scenes in Berlin and Glasgow, what it means to be Bavarian, why she came to Vietnam, and I ask the question that everyone wants to know, does she play Vinna House? I wanna give a shout out to Lewis Wright, the producer of 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. Lewis has been involved since the very, very first day of 7 Million Bikes. He was helping me with the sound with the first microphone that I'd bought. He was the second ever guest I recorded. His wife was the first and both of those episodes were just test episodes that we were doing in my front room just to see how we could make the sound as good as possible, which has always been a big goal of mine and something that Lewis has helped with. And so those two test episodes went on to become the second and the sixth episode of season one. So go back and listen to them if you can. As I said, they were just meant to be testing the sound and they were so interesting that um, they ended up becoming full episodes. And since then, we've become even closer with Kim and Lewis. and uh, we were at their wedding just last year. And I wanna give a big thank you to Lewis for everything he does for the show. He's actually, he's a super talented music producer. He makes his own tracks. He makes remixes as well as doing music production, sound engineering, and he even makes music videos as well. So he made the COVID-19 music video that you can check out on my YouTube channel. And he's just done one for the local band, The Cards. Shout out to Adam and Ben. So make sure you check out his Facebook page, Lewis Wright Music Producer. It's in the show notes. If you're ever needing any of that type of work, then make sure you get in touch with Lewis. If you do enjoy this content, then please think about becoming a member of a Vietnam podcast on Patreon. Again, the link is in the show notes. If you become a member, you'll get access to exclusive content. You'll also get episodes a day earlier than anyone else and you'll also get free tickets to comedy shows. Or if you want to buy me a coffee or a beer, you can do that too on coffee.com. Again, the link is in the show notes. Thank you to Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson for supporting on Patreon from the beginning. And I've just been bought another coffee today from Tang all the way in Berlin. So thank you very much again. I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, my Vietnamese is terrible. So I hope you've enjoyed this season. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please feel free to send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I love to hear from people and I will always respond. Thanks. Welcome to the final episode of season five, Seven Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today. She is a DJ, an event producer, German-Vietnamese and has just been featured in Vice magazine in an article about young artists shaping Saigon's creative underground scene. So welcome to the show, Levy (laughs) Oi. Hello. Thank you very much for joining.
1: Very happy to be here.
0: So tell us a bit about the article that's just come out. It's very exciting.
1: Very. I'm really pumped about it. The interview actually was um, done two months ago. But the, uh, the article was just released, so I'm really, really happy about it. I still can't believe it.
0: <laughs> so tell us about them. What, is, what does that mean, shaping Saigon's underground scene? Tell that, us more about the scene.
1: Actually, I um, did not really know the caption of the article. We just had the interview first about um, the quarantine here and um, the situation during the lockdown. But then Vietnam also, I don't know, like changed a bit in the last weeks and months and years so uh, the article was then focused on the underground scene here and um, we basically talked about the music industry the music scene and um, which artists I really like who inspired me in the past and which artists are shaping the scene now in Saigon and yeah it was really interesting to talk about Music and also other artists were interviewed to shape the fashion industry here. So I think underground is not just music here. It's basically yeah, every everything like art, culture, music, fashion. Yeah.
0: Yeah, the article did feature models and fashion designers and things like that. So I guess it wasn't technically all underground. But tell us about the music scene in, in Saigon because it's something we've brought up on the podcast before. Um, And for me, from my point of view, I'm like an indie fan. You know, I grew up listening to Oasis and rock and roll and things like this. So I'm not like immersed in the DJ culture here so much. So I don't really know much about that. I do love like electronic music. Like I also grew up with the Chemical Brothers. Like they're my favorite. Chemical Brothers and Oasis to me, like I could just listen to them all day, every day. So I love electronic music, like Fatboy Slim as well. He's another one of my like favorite artists of all time. But I don't, seek electronic music out so much like i don't go to clubs i don't really listen to it that much even though i love it so i'm such a a novice almost like i don't even know the difference between techno and house and trance and all of this stuff i think i kind of like it all but i couldn't tell you what's the difference so tell us a bit about the the scene here in saigon the different types of music and very very important question do you make vina house
1: I think I need to pick up on the last question. Uh, I don't make it myself yet, but I first, when I arrived here, I was like, oh, that's so weird, that music, you know? Like, we all think about it like, who came up with this? It, the lyrics and like the beat, it's sometimes a bit too much, but now being here, I need to really embrace it, I think, because it's part of the culture. And maybe I wouldn't make this type of Wiener House, but I would maybe make something a bit with a twist.
0: So do, for anyone who's listening who doesn't really know what Vina House is, what is Vina House, and why were you laughing when I asked that <laughs> question? Because <laughs> Vina
1: House is uh, house, yeah. Vina House is basically Vietnamese house music, and um, it's basically part like one part is the vocal, which is usually like a very like dramatic love, like heartbreaking song. You know, like the lyrics are really like heartbreaking, and then you have like the beat, which is very kind of aggressive and Pushing, so people are getting into the mood, getting into party mood, and it's very re- repetitive. So
0: extremely, extremely repetitive. repetitive. Even like, like someone
1: who doesn't know about music, right? Yeah, it's, I
0: mean, I've heard overheard it in shops and or wherever I am, and I'm like, is this same song going on for fifteen minutes? What's yeah. happening?
1: The song, the beat is going on for fifteen minutes or ten minutes, and the lyrics are basically a whole track of like that, like ballad or like love song.
0: And I don't even speak the language, but I can hear that it's like some tragic love song. going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So you don't make Vinna House. So then go back to my earlier kind of long drawn out question. Tell us about the different styles of music, the scene here in Saigon. What's that like?
1: So what I've also said in the interview is that um, the songs or like the music industry here is very diverse. So there are different genres here. And when I first came here, I was really surprised because I came back from, I came from Berlin. So you have a lot of techno music there. Technos, like that's like the the music and love language in Berlin. And when I came here, I was like, oh, I miss it so much. There's nothing like techno. There is techno, but not that much. Mm, So I had to open up a bit to the music industry and music scene here. And I went to a lot of like, I know, like... um, Trap and like uh, other like Vietnamese styles, Vietnamese kind of like house music, techno or mostly there are like a lot of like now it's a lot of hip hop and rap because of like the rap shows here. So I really had to open up my mind. I was like, okay, Levi, you can't just be like, oh, I'm like from Berlin. So I need to listen to techno. So but I need to really open up. And uh, I think I've really discovered a lot of cool artists here who inspired me also to just, yeah, do my thing and um, believe in my music, but also really support each other. Because imagine I would just be in my techno world of like three people like who listen to that. That's not, I really want to reach everyone with my music and touch everyone um, without, of course, losing my, my main core of music and um, style.
0: So what is the difference between techno, house, What are the other variations of electronic music? So
1: when you go back in history, uh, so house music, okay, first there was disco. From disco, house music developed and from house music, techno developed. And um, the May, so where techno was developed is Detroit and Chicago shaped basically house music. And um, after that from detroit detroit um techno it went to the uk um and it became asset house over there because of like the parties. so the party scene shaped the also the music scene and then um in germany some like like this like you know kraftwerk mm-hmm. so they also in experiments experimented a bit with um yeah, with music and techno and basically they also shaped the techno music and then it got again exported to the US. And I think it's so interesting. I think there's just like one guy probably who had like some records and then he went, he traveled and then they found it really well, cool. And then they took some drugs and, you know, I think it's so interesting how music developed in Vietnam. I really want to also discover how Wiener House got developed or how it um, became what it is now. And I heard that it's just, like, a couple of DJs who were just, yeah, how can we make our music club, like… Do you think uh, they've
0: they've made a beat and fell Asleep?
1: Yeah, they think so. They just (laughs) made, yeah, they just had, like, okay, we have those love songs. What can we do with them, you know? How can we make them, because everyone loves them, how can we make them suitable for the clubs? And I think there was just, like, one guy who, I don't know, who maybe experimented a bit with that and said, yeah, let's just put a beat on it and then just, like, loop it for, like… Three hours and make a track and make like a Wienerhaus mix. And okay, how can we sell it? How can we make it business um, worth a business? Let's just put a girl there who has like, you know, looks beautiful and then we just let her play the music. I think that's, I think Vietnamese people are very business minded. And uh, that's why I think Wienerhaus got so big because um, it's very, you can sell it so well in everywhere. Yeah. Now,
0: I'm glad you brought this point up because this is the one question I've been dying to ask you. I'm so excited. I've got a DJ on the show. I'm going to ask this question, (laughs) right? You've just brought it up. Now, I don't know anything about DJs. I don't Mm -hmm. know much about electronic music, as I've clearly showed already. Now, in Vietnam, if anyone who's listening who's not from Vietnam, it's very common you go to a bar or a club or somewhere Mm. and there will be a beautiful girl behind a DJ booth sometimes scantily clad, sometimes not. And I would just see her like fiddling knobs and moving things and doing this and this and that. And I've literally been at places and I stare and I'm like, is she affecting the music? I know so little about electronic music. I'm staring going like, right, she just moved something. Did that do something to the music? And I can't figure it out. And so my question, and I've been dying to know this for so long, is she actually DJing or is that just a USB stick and she's pretending to DJ?
1: That's, I've also been asking that a lot of times because I've been to the local clubs here and I really, I I don't want to say it. I don't know. I don't want to be the person, oh, like, oh, she doesn't play music properly. Um I think a lot of times you can it's it's very simple to DJ sometimes when you have like you can already prepare a mix and then you can just stand there and pretend to play. Um now like in the clubs that we're at play, it's not like that. I think they really I would do, imagine
0: the clubs you're at, it's not, but it's I not mean like the, the other kind like, of clubs.
1: I think in like beer clubs, you know, where it's really about commerce and about making a lot of money. Um I think the girl really has to i don't know attract those customers who are willing to pay maybe more money i don't it i really need to discover more and oh, that's so in disappointed
0: it's, it's, i thought you were going to give me the definitive answer no, i've been I wanting can't. this answer for so
1: long At, the djs have a different role here in Vietnam, for mm. sure Or like in the traditional clubs not like it's not for for example where i'm from or like in germany or probably in a lot of countries the djs are there to create and to really educate the people about music. Not educate, but like show them something new or um, sharing feelings with their music, you know. And in a lot of uh, clubs, it's more about making money and making people drink more, which is actually the traditional sense of a DJ, right? The DJ's role is to bring the people and make the business role and like let the business make money. But I think in like developing countries like Vietnam, it's really still like very... It's very strong, this mindset of like DJ has to bring people, right? Sometimes you just book the DJ to really like surprise people, to educate them.
0: I mean, I've seen businesses put ads out saying, we're looking for beautiful young girls who can DJ. Yeah.
1: And that's, yeah, sometimes still sad. And I've always also had the at interview with like a female like newspaper here, like a Vietnamese one. And they also asked the same question, like what, made it so hard for me to become a DJ here. I think I'm lucky because my music is very underground, so I don't need to really, like, I don't really want to, like, be like, oh, I want to just dress up and, like, wear nothing and play there to make money. No, it's for me, it's really about mm. the music and... um if you look good, it's in plus, but it shouldn't really dictate your your mm. music. And
0: Have you ever been approached about that or asked about that? Like, we want you to come play, but can you wear a bikini? Things mm, like that.
1: I think never. No,
0: that's good then. Yeah. Really
1: never. And I've, I think uh, Vietnamese people, like, in general, are very respectful towards women, mm. I think. But…
0: And I know you're in a different scene. Like, I know that scene. you're not yeah. like the kind of like, I'm going to go and do a beer hall DJ. You're exactly. in exactly.
1: Although it's a kind of like my dream to host like a really big techno party in a beer club. But with my crowd, uh, you know, nice. because because those, I don't know like why, but those beer clubs have the best light, lighting system. Like some sure. and some it's just like, yeah, the lighting is so dope. And like, it's so big. So you do like a, a rave in a beer club would be really my dream. Like really Like one day guys One day let's do it
0: <laughs> Now to go back a little bit What was the name of that band That you just said The influential band from Germany
1: okay, Kraftwerk
0: Now this made me laugh Because uh, I'm going to say the Same band name But in my accent
1: Okay This how, is how I call them How would you call them?
0: Kraftwerk Kraftwerk <laughs> <laughs> Kraftwerk <Kaufburg, Kaufburg. laughs> I thought you might <laughs> laugh at that. Krefwerk. is that oh, how right. you would do? It? Yeah, it's <laughs> totally different. So you're German Vietnamese. So tell me about how. Tell me about that. Um,
1: so I was born in Germany, in like a very small Bavarian town, and I was always the only one. Like with my brother, we were only the, we were the only Vietnamese, and I went to school there, and then I moved to Berlin to study, to study international business and marketing. Yeah, like a lot of Vietnamese who study business, right? Vietnamese Germans, and then yeah, what can I say? I yeah, basically I'm German. I, I feel very German sometimes. Yeah. Um, although I don't really want to be like be too German when I'm here in Vietnam, but it always comes through.
0: Well, I I actually um, did a a show this week, a comedy show for the, well, I did a comedy performance for the German Business Association. Mm. So I met a lot of Germans, obviously. And I, I met a guy, he was from Bavaria, actually. And he was telling me that Bavaria is similar to Scotland and that Bavaria is kind of very different. It's not, they almost feel like they're not part of Germany. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Like when I say, yeah, I'm from Bavaria, it's like, okay, so you're not from Germany. Or you're like... My part of Bavaria is also like it, it's really funny because Bavarians sometimes don't have the best reputation in in, in Germany. For example, in Berlin, everyone's like, oh, "Okay, you're from Bavaria," so it's kind of like because it's like a very I know like there's like a cliche that Bavarians are like very hardworking and very like very strict and very like formal. And in Berlin, people and and Bavaria people think that Berlin people don't work and they're lazy. I don't know. So <laughs> or also when you do like um Abitur, it's like the A levels, like the high school degree. When you do it in Bavaria, it means like wow, well, okay, you're you do really well. Like you're really smart and stuff. It's just so stupid. Um but I think it's really funny because for me growing up in Bavaria, I I feel like it's very German. I think it's the most German part for me in Germany. Bavaria.
0: This show that I did my my opening line basically was, this is the most German event, the most German thing I've ever done. They gave you the run sheet at the beginning of the show and there was some comedy, there was some acrobatics, there was singing and it was literally like, 8.01, you will perform. eleven, you will finish. Next act, 8.11 to 8.13, 8.13 to 8.19, whatever you know what I mean. It was literally like minute by minute and it went like clockwork. I was like, this is the most Germanly efficient event I've mm. ever done.
1: It's that's really that's really German. I really like sometimes I'm like wow I can feel that I'm really German because I kind of like this stuff, but I also like kind of oh my god it's too much you know like too so German. But it helps really I think if you ha- have the mindset. But you should like I don't I am not planning my day like that. But um, it helps a lot to be sometimes a bit like strict.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was brilliant. The event went like clockwork, yeah. you know. I feel like uh, there's other events, probably my events as well. I like, was well, well, we'll get started when we're, yeah,
1: when we're exactly.
0: ready, you know. <laughs> like That's often my events. We put down doors open 7.30, show starts 8.30, 8.45, nobody's there. Nine o'clock, 9.15, it's starting to fill up. And you're like, I put on the event. Doors open at 30, shows start at 8.30. Just last week, same thing. Shows meant to start at 8.30. And two people left because they were like, when's the show starting? I was like, sorry, we're still having to wait for everyone. Because we had, we knew people were coming and it ended up filling up. But Vietnam time is different to German German it's, time, right?
1: It's so hard for me. Like every time when I come, like in the beginning when I moved here, I like, always like was on time. Like if someone says 7 p.m., I'm like there at like 6.59 or like, 6 57 something and people show up at 7 45 maybe one hour later and i'm like oh my god i had to really get used to the timing here because i said that to a friend of mine when you come late in germany you lose your friends like people are really not very like when you come late like too many times and very late yeah you make enemies for that for sure
0: wow yeah i was telling this story last night to a friend about the the German efficiency, she was American and she didn't know that stereotype. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah, like German efficiency, like maybe because I'm British. We know this, you know, German car making or whatever it is, like it's... And one thing I remember a German friend told me was, this when I lived in Australia, they were really shocked that um, when they were going through the checkout in the supermarket that the cashier is so friendly. And it's the same in the UK. They'd be like, hey, how's your day going? Are you all right? What are you up to? In Scotland, especially, you know, you'll be best friends within a minute. You'll be talking about your auntie's dead dog and things like that. But he was saying in Germany, he found that so shocking that Australians were so friendly because in Germany, when you go to the supermarket, the cashier just like puts your groceries through, gives you your money and you're gone. And it's not ruder. It's just like, you're nodding your head. So is that correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We don't really like need small like Germans are not really into small talk, and also like in at the supermarket it's very um, no they just do their job. But of course, like in, on the countryside where I'm from, of course you would ask you know because like they know you. But it takes a time, it takes a long time to let people warm up in Germany or German people warm up. And uh, I think when I because when I moved to Vietnam, I really. I think I was never like shy. So for me, I always do small talk and I like to um, be open-minded. But German people in general are, yeah, but I think a bit closed-minded. Not that, sometimes, but but later when they open up, they're really open.
0: I mean, I think that that's kind of like the stereotype of German, right? Really like stiff back and, you know. But I mean, the German people I've meet, I've met in my lifetime are amazing. They're like the funniest, craziest people, like... They're really fun people. They don't match the stereotype at all.
1: Yeah, I think when the people like, I don't know, maybe because where I'm from, the people are usually like very like kind of like traditional. But Germans who travel or Germans who live abroad are usually very open minded.
0: And maybe that's the difference. Because there's a difference between even I find with Americans who've traveled and moved abroad are very different to Americans who've never left America. And probably the same with Scottish and in every country as well but yeah. any German I've met it's always Germans are about, crazy I
1: agree very
0: was at a good time so tell us about Berlin because I do know um, I used to work with a DJ in New Zealand and he would go to Berlin every year he was like a I don't know if he was a techno DJ or a house DJ mm-hmm. but he was a DJ and he would go to Berlin and I know that's like one of the kind of capitals of the like DJ how do you say it? I don't I don't want to say the wrong thing house capital of the world trans capital of what well, how would I say mm, capital of the world I
1: think Berlin for me is the techno club capital of the, or club tech capital of the world like the amount of clubs that you have in berlin that play techno music is insane yeah. and also like house music and in, just not clubs but parties in general mm, like, that's
0: what i've had. really like liberal population liberal, as well
1: yeah. like started like back in the past with the love parade you know and like all those like street festivals street parades for like the first of may for like labor day or just like for everything you have the like carnival like not just in berlin but like in the whole country we really are into fest festivals little like parties and i mean berlin became such a such such a techno capital club capital because after the wall came down like people really li- i think techno liberated them also and made them really like it's like a music of freedom for me mm. when you go into a techno club no one really cares who you are you just go in there and you just leave your phone. Like now, in, like most of the clubs in Berlin, you, you're you not allowed to take pictures. So they just like, like you have the sticker on your phone and everyone is respecting the rule, you know. You're not like there's no one who's like going around, like taking videos and Snapchatting That's or awesome. Instagram stories. Mm. No, it's just like you go in, you leave your phone behind and you just go in there, enjoy the music, make friends, do what you want. You know, people like Berlin clubs, it's... Of course, they wouldn't support like people who are getting too. I mean, like too. Uh, I mean, enjoying, enjoying too themselves much, let's too say, much. Exactly, yeah. but everyone's respectful, and I and I really like that. Mm. So that's why I think DJs also have like a really great experience to DJ there. Mm. People who go clubbing who want to listen to good music know that when they go there, because the DJ have so much fun and they really want to educate people. It's a really good match. The clubs also have a good landscape because you can chill outside next to the river or you can have like this room where they only play like dark techno or like outside they play house music or you have open airs in Berlin in the summer. Everyone's drinking beer, chilling, you know. Mm. This vibe, I think, is unique in the whole world.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. I mean, so I'm from Glasgow, and we we had a really good scene as well. So when I was growing up, as I said, I was mostly into kind of indie rock and roll music, mm. but I did love like dance music, techno music as well. We had some really cool clubs. We had the Archies, which was this club that was underneath the railway bridge, so it was like in an archway, the archway of the the railway bridge, and that was a really cool club. Like you know, and I went back to Scotland recently. And I went back with my friend. It's changed now. It's all kind of like gentrified almost. It got closed down. I think, you know, drugs and all that stuff, problems. But uh, now it's like the archways, but it's like food trucks and beer and things like this. And it's like real family friendly. So I went there with my friend and we had like this gourmet burger and craft beer. And I was like, this is mental. We used to come here when we were like 19, you know, just like marching and just having the best time ever. I was like, this is, I feel so old now. I'm like 20 years older and it's now all beer trucks and food trucks. Like this is... So different, but we had a really, really cool scene in um, in Glasgow from from dance music, techno music, things like that.
1: I heard about this club called Sub Club.
0: Sub Club, yeah, I remember. And Sub I really club, want to yeah. play there. <laughs> I don't think, I doubt it's still open. I don't think I ever went to Sub Club. There was a like I said, I wasn't really into the scene. Like I enjoyed the music, loved it. I couldn't probably tell you almost one DJ or artist. You know what I mean? Like so I was more into, I really into my indie music. But I always loved it. I loved when I lived in. Australia, I would always go to Future Music. I don't know if you've heard of this festival. It's my one of my favourite festivals. I saw Chemical Brothers there back in 2008, I think it was, with my friend Mary. And it was still, to this day, I remember one of the best nights of my life. Chemical Brothers' album had just come out. I think it's called Further. 2011, I think it was, maybe. 2011, I tried that album came out, 2011. And uh, they were just, they're my favourite, Chemical Brothers. I like
1: them, too. Yeah,
0: and their (laughs) visuals and things like that are just, like, if you've seen them live before...
1: Never, actually, no. Unfortunately, not.
0: Yeah, they're they're really really good. So uh, I'm going on about them too much, but yeah, we had a cool scene in Glasgow. So you're from Berlin now. So you lived through the fall of the Berlin Wall.
1: No, so I was born and raised in Bavaria, but um 2011, I moved to Berlin to study. Right, and mm. I left Bavaria because just got a bit not boring, but I wanted to see something new, and I've always wanted to travel like since i'm little i really love traveling and um because for my studies i i applied everywhere a bit further away from home and when i got the uh, when i got accepted at the university in berlin to study international business i was like it was kind of like a door for me to to for for freedom and to be free and to do my thing and I didn't know anyone in Berlin back then. I didn't have any friends. I was just like, okay, let's just go there. I don't know. So I moved there and I fell in love with Berlin so much and met so many, really a lot of other Vietnamese, German Mm. friends because back in Bavaria, I was the only one. So that was also really a great experience. And I don't know. I think that also was the reason why I got much more connected with my Vietnamese roots.
0: Mm. And so how did your parents are both Vietnamese and I learned from the episode we've just recorded previously with Nhi Mai, which I think you've listened to some of. So her parents, one of them moved to Germany before they moved to Switzerland. And they came over because before Germany reunified, I didn't know this, the, the eastern side of Germany would bring over Vietnamese people, which would make sense because they're both communist countries. Was that a similar story for your parents? Or how did your parents end up in Germany?
1: Um, so my parents moved to Russia first. And then came to Germany after.
0: Which I didn't know until recently that Russia and Vietnam had such a massive connection, which, yeah, again, it makes it sense because they're two communist countries. So. so, yeah, my friend told me all about the connection between Ukraine and Russia, and I didn't realize any of that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know why my parents probably were like me, and they were like, oh, okay, we want to go to Russia, let's go. And, like, we... It's, it was on the way probably to Germany, and they... Yeah, just... Also went on an adventure because they wanted to leave Vietnam and start a new life.
0: Right, and what did your parents do then when they moved to Russia and then Germany?
1: That's really good question. So they were telling me they were just like doing business there. I think it's just like Russia is more like they try to trade, or also like my father was giving um, Russian lessons because he was like a like a translator, so he still speaks a bit of Russian. And um, I think they just wanted to save money to go to Germany too.
0: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I just have such a Western-centric point of view. So when I first I met a few people who were like, "Yeah, I speak Russian," or my partner speaks Russian, or or, I was like, "Vietnamese speak Russian?" At first, I found it so strange. I was like, "What is the connection?" And then, of course, I was like, "Oh, duh!" Like the communist connection. So. There's quite an exchange between the two countries, right? So how did you get into DJing from marketing, studying marketing <laughs> and business? You're like every single person in the world. We talked about this on an episode recently. There's almost nobody that uses their degree, right? My degrees in sport and exercise science, you know. So how did you go from marketing and business to DJing?
1: Wow, that's a long haul, but I've always really loved electronic music. Since, okay, since I moved to Berlin in 2011, I, the first time I stepped into a club, I was like, okay, this is... I love it so much. I love raving. I love clubbing. I love techno. How? Like, but I never really thought, like, when you're so young and you just come to a new city, you don't really think that this is the your job, you know? Like, it's only my passion. I don't really know how what to do with it. And um, also, when you're younger, you're more focusing on how you say, uh, serving society by, like, studying, doing your degree and also Vietnamese parents, you know, you want to, like, do your thing and show them you you do well here, you know, they went so far, now you need to also prove. And um, I really loved my degree, actually, because I have met so many great friends there and also friends that I still have until today, like best friends. Mm, because I also did, like, the gr- degree was really cool because I did... One year of study in Berlin, then one year of study in, in Cambridge and in the university, um, which was located in Cambridge. Then one year of internship where I went to Vietnam, like to Saigon and did my internship with um, MTV. And I went to Dubai to work for the um, German Chamber of Commerce. And then I went to Australia. I did like three internships in one year because I just wanted to travel. And I worked for like a a Schenker, it's like a shipment, uh, they do like international shipments. Um, So I, and then I went back to Berlin to finish my degree. So I chose that degree because I knew I would have like crazy experiences with that. And all of that really shaped my path until today, because I think, first of all, the people I've met, um, who really got me more into my music, and I've, yeah, we just went traveling to go to really great parties. I met a lot of DJ friends who also trying to teach me to DJ, but I never really thought, okay, now I'm going to be a DJ. You know, I really, it was always there with me, very close, but never that I said, okay, this is like my path. So um, I went, after my studies, I went to London also to work there for my, I worked like in a a tech company, like very, again, very far away from my actual path. But I've always felt that I've never really reached what I really want to do. I, I never really found my passion. So I said, okay, I think I need to break or I need to just stop. So I said, okay, Vietnam, Saigon was kind of the number one, like highlight of my whole time. So I think I need to go back there and just find back my roots and maybe when I really go deep into myself that I find what I really want. And then I quit my job in London. I went to Berlin, packed my stuff. And then I just moved to Vietnam with like a suitcase and no idea. I had no job, nothing.
0: How long ago was this?
1: Uh, End of 2018. And all of my friends actually were really supportive and also my family. I think they already knew that everything that I've done so far wasn't really fulfilling me that much. And Saigon or Vietnam has always been like my like number one spot because I've always been back in Vietnam because of my family in Hanoi.
0: I was going to ask where are your parents' family yeah, from? Yeah, from, from Hanoi. That's why
1: like every year we went to Hanoi. Right. Like, and my dad's from Haizung. So we like northern basically. Was that
0: not a massive disappointment then that you said I'm moving to Saigon? Yeah, a
1: bit, I think. <laughs> everyone knew because, uh, you know, Saigon is like such a hot spot. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I need to go back there. It's so amazing. And uh, yeah.
0: So what was your parents' reaction to that? Because just in the last episode, as I said, I was interviewing Nhi Mai, who's Swiss-Vietnamese, and I found it really fascinating that her parents were almost shocked and disappointed, I think would be the right way to say it, when she said she was moving to Saigon or back or to Vietnam, because for her parents, they'd made such a struggle to leave Vietnam and set up a new life in Europe. It almost feels strange that then your child wants to reverse that and go backwards. So now they completely understand it, and she's got a a, you know loves her life here, and is is being more fulfilled, and is exploring exploring her roots. Did you have something similar or different? And then how's the transition been? Then coming back to Vietnam,
1: my parents actually were very supportive. Um, They said from the beginning, okay, we're gonna come later, or we're gonna support you in everything we do because they also did the same. They in my age they also left Vietnam and. I think it would have been unfair to, for them to say, oh yeah, you you have to stay in Germany because we made it so far. No, like it's my way. And um, I've always been a bit rebellious. My parents also know. So if they said like, okay, you were not allowed to go, I would have still gone. So I think for them, it was really cool. And they really enjoy coming back here and visiting me too. And really support my DJ career too. Because I think... Because also, I'm the only person in my family who's doing something with music. Like, my parents, I think, are, in a way, really proud. I mean, I'm really also happy about that. I think without the support of my parents, it would have been a bit harder. And coming also to Saigon with no plan and then, like, getting more into music and really, like, uh, involving myself in, like, music projects and stuff I really love. Showed them also maybe, yeah, okay, maybe... Less pressure is better, you know, because back in the past, of course, when I was going to school, they were always like worried about my grades. You know, of course, it's normal, you know. (laughs) I was always good at school, but Vietnamese parents have different standards, right? You need to have like A plus in math and stuff. (laughs) So it's, I don't know. I think growing older, um, they understand, we understand each other much better. And my relationship with them also became much better since I moved to Vietnam, to be honest.
0: Awesome. So then how was that transition and moving to Saigon? How did you find that?
1: Um, I've lived in Saigon for only three months before and I've traveled Vietnam, but living here is a very different experience. It's just uh, starting from, I know, just setting everything up here and like finding a place. And But I think for me, because I've traveled and lived in many countries, it was not really hard to set, myself up here but to really get used to the speed of Saigon I've underestimated it quite a lot when I came here Um, this
0: is a common thing of guests on the show or just friends I speak to what you just said the speed of Saigon right like it's just frenetic it's just and for anyone who's not been here it's hard to explain until you get here and for anyone who's been here or lives here that's listening you know exactly what we're talking about
1: so crazy. Like, I think for tourists who come here or friends who visit me here for like a week, they were like, oh my God, it's such a cool city. It's yeah, like dope. Yeah. Like, we love it. We want to live here. I'm like, yeah, I live here. <laughs> yeah. You will get like, you will get crazy after a while. That's why I need to always travel to other uh, cities to just get like calm or to go to back to Hanoi to visit my family mm. there. Because I think if you, it, it's like a hamster wheel here in Saigon. So many opportunities, so many people. It's very loud here. And people are never stopping and hardworking and you always feel like you don't do enough here
0: it's something my wife and I don't do enough what you just said though you need to leave every now and again and we do try but not enough because you and but we've had spells where' like we need to get out of here and I, I've talked about it again on the podcast before we've now moved to a quieter area of Saigon now so we live in district two so since then that need to leave the city has probably lessened but before we lived in district four same as you and that's just like the hotspot of freneticness, if that's an actual word. And so, and you do have that. Like, you need to get out, and it's something you see common in the expat groups as well. Where can I go for a hike? Where can I go for a walk? How do I, Where can? Because Saigon is so big and so sprawling, it, it, you got to go at least two or three hours before you get anywhere of some sort of calm, right?
1: Yes, I. I also just need to go out so much because it's getting really too crazy here but that's why living in Taodian I think is a good uh very good <laughs> good good spot to chill out that's why I really just like to spend time in Taodian although I live in uh like in the district four and um that's why I really like to go to the lot or go like to Muine go surfing there the lot go we go hiking because luckily some of my friends here are also really into outdoor stuff and I, when I go running, I like to go to District 7 or go to Sala. You know, there are some spots where you can chill, but you need to really plan those things a lot in the head. You cannot just say, okay, I'm, um, you know, like I'm going to like take a chill. No, no, you need to plan it, everything.
0: That's exactly right. You, it's not a great way to put it. Everything needs to be planned, planned. and thought out ahead. Because my wife and I always talk about when we lived in New Zealand before here, we lived in the CBD, like literally the center of Wellington. And a 10-minute walk, we could be in beautiful hillside forest, just unbelievable parrots and birds and wildlife and nature. And it's just, you know, and there's no planning. We could come home from work and be like, oh, it's a nice night. Want to go for a walk? Yeah, sure. And then you just go here.
1: Yeah, I miss that sometimes. Like in Germany and Bavaria, um, I go like five minutes and I'm in the forest, like super big forest. I see like deers and like little animals and I can just go running there. The air smells so good that's why I really I I couldn't have believed that I say that but I really miss Germany like sometimes I mean just the fresh air the food not really the food but like for example I was in Fukuok and in um, Danang the, uh, the last weeks and I just went to like this German bakery and I bought like a pretzel you know I would never do that like usually but then I I was just a bit homesick yeah, and it felt kind of good to just reconnect a bit with home and to appreciate, you know, like where you're from and where you are and really like be grateful, I think, also for the journey. And uh,
0: There's a few German spots here though in Saigon, right? What yeah. Are, what what <laughs> places do you go regularly when you feel homesick?
1: Actually, I, I don't go to those places at all. I have to say only when I travel because I think in Saigon, I really don't have the... As I said, it's like oh, it's too fast. I don't really have time to miss home. Like I work, or I just like engage in my day by day daily task. Mm-hmm. But when I travel, I take more time to to think. But w- actually, the place that has the best pretzel here is uh, what is like this? This it's like a delivery service here of uh, Howbus. Very good. So I. I recommend it. It's not an ad, okay, guys, but I've just (laughs) ordered pretzels there, and they're really, really good. Now we
0: give, we can give shout outs. That's fine. Shout out
1: to Halbus, guys. I'll put, we'll
0: put the link in the show notes (laughs) as well, so people can (laughs) click it. So we'll put that in there as well. Well, the place I've been going to recently is the German Beer Hall in in So it's not really German in terms of food. It's all international food, but it's it's like a big beer hall. It's cool. Yeah, and it's cheap beer as well. It's good. Need
1: to go. Need to go for sure.
0: Now, when you came to Saigon, then did you have the plan to become a de- like a professional DJ, like for that to be your career?
1: A Very good question, actually, because I have not planned that out. That was like, that's not very German, but I've always wanted to DJ, but I've not, that's like really like, you have this like idea of something and the result and the way there was for me like, oh my God, like, oh, I can't be a DJ. Who can I be? And, but subconsciously I always made decisions to bring me there so I engaged in like a music project where I with Israeli DJs where I was looking for traditional Vietnamese artists to record their music with um, Israeli techno so I was producing co-producing like an an EP to feature Vietnamese traditional artists and Israeli techno um, artists and I think that was like my inspiration to also really go deeper into music like from Red Access, we can maybe to put a link there because the album is really, really amazing. Secondly, I've signed up the second time for like a DJ class. But this time I really like did like the whole course to really improve my DJ skills. And I started to just produce events and book DJs for my events. And one day I did an opening event for a bar in Saigon and I booked this DJ and when, so that's a very funny story. He, the DJ went to the, went to the bathroom and I had my USB stick with me and I just put my USB in the DJ controller. And when he came back after like 10 minutes, I was playing and he was like, wow, you're really good. Like, I was like, uh, it's okay. I was, I mean, it was just like playing around when you were gone. And he was like, okay, come, we will practice more. And we practiced more and more and I got more confident And then this DJ booked me then for an event where he was like, or for the club where he was resident DJ. And I think that time when he booked me, I was like, okay, I think this is really what I really want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Just, just came step by step. So nothing is really like, I think when you have like something in your mind, you, it's really hard to really execute it. But if you make baby steps, I think that's the best way. Like don't like, have this, when you want to become a DJ, okay, you want to play in front of like a stadium now or in front of 2,000 people. No, just start small, like playing with your friends or just get really like familiar with the with controller and um, know your sound. I think there are so many ways. Just take baby steps.
0: Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a word earlier that um, resonated with me and then your story right now as well was opportunity and it is one of the things in saigon that draws so many people from within vietnam and out with vietnam is there's is so much opportunity in saigon right now because it's booming and it's busy and it's growing and developing and there's a need for this new art not just art business culture everything is it's right now and it's part of the the comedy scene is the exact same as well it's just you know there's a and even the podcast scene as well when i started my podcast nearly 2 years ago I think there was one other podcast at the time. There was a Saigonir podcast, which was pretty well established. And then within a few months of me starting, there was about five more podcasts because obviously everyone was having the same idea at the same time. Like, And then now, um, I think I mentioned to you earlier, I've just been putting this article about 7 million bytes as a trendsetter in podcasts in Vietnam, which blew my mind. I was like, wait, what? So that was really cool, but again, there was no real thought at the beginning when I started this that I was gonna be. And it's still not a massive podcast, but it's pretty, it's pretty popular now. I think from what I can, from what I hear. So there was this the, like these baby steps, and then things get bigger and bigger, right? And there is just so many opportunities here.
1: That's the good thing and the bad thing about Sagon, I think. Mm, but the, I also every day I wake up, I'm like, oh my god, I could do so many things, or oh, I could do this and maybe I should go this and oh, that works really well for this person. You know, like, I think you get really distracted here mm-hmm. when you don't really know your path. And until today, I don't really know, okay, I'm going to be like this DJ or I don't do this, but you need to really be focused here, I think. And that's what I really tell myself every day. I'm like, okay, you have 7,000 other ideas, but you have this one way which brought you so, like, which you really love and brought you that far. And I think... Keeping that in mind is really good. but Always keep your mind, keep your eyes open for new opportunities. Not like close your eyes, like oh, I just want to be like this DJ forever. Like maybe in five years I'm bored, or maybe I find something else. Or I think it's really important in Saigon to always keep your kind of eyes open, but really your mind and your soul really keep it to what you really love.
0: So what's next for you? So I know you're doing some work with Lewis, who's a producer of Seven Million Bikes, and. uh... Lewis is so talented in so many ways and I love working with Lewis. Um, what What are you working on with him and what's next?
1: We, so I have really a lot of things I want to work on. That's why like we come back to the so many, or like there are so many opportunities in on. I really, actually what has been really on my mind is, again is like producing events. I've neglected this a bit since I started more my DJing and really more being like this DJ persona but where what made me become a DJ is also like the events that I've been doing so I started with doing events here and then I became like I graduated slowly into this DJ life I really want to make kind of like unique experiences here like combining music and art and also like good food drinks just to have like a little like Little festival vibe here. I don't know. Because the weather is always good here. And in Germany, people wait for the summer to do festivals, you know, or to do parties. And Vietnam, we have good weather all, all <laughs> year. Yeah. You know? No
0: seasons. It's like always no, festival no, weather. Always, always festival
1: weather. And yeah. I'm like, I also like this daytime thing. I've really, I'm really, i really trying to do it. But for local Vietnamese, they don't really go out during the day. So it's it will be a bit hard. But I, I don't know, like, or sunset things. I I really love it. Um, love the atmosphere for sunsets here in Vietnam Mm. too it's beautiful but I really also want to go more into production Um, like in general I think the next step for me is going to be production in every way
0: Mm. and so what is it you're working on with Louis right now we're
1: also going to work on some music together but TBA. TBA.
0: We'll, we'll put the, the link in the show notes for your SoundCloud. I love some of the names of your songs. So <laughs> you had Pomelo Power, yeah. which I was listening to this morning, and you brought some Pomelo with you yeah, today, which exactly. made me laugh when I was yeah. listening to Pomelo Power today. And you're like, do you want some Pomelo? I was like, oh. Um, what is, <laughs> she's laughing so hard right now. <laughs> oh my God. What are some of the other names of your, your tracks on SoundCloud? Mm,
1: it's like I love doing, I love doing mixes. Um, and every mix has, like, a different mood for me because I think, like, a a track, one track has, like, one character, you know, but when you put it together, it's, like, a whole story. And uh, I love just, like, bringing, like, a vibe with my mixes. So one is, like, Hakuna Mimosa. It's, like, basically, like, kind of, like, you wake up and you drink, like, Mimosa, you have, like, a good vibe, and it's, like, could be, like, in the morning, but also could be, like, you come back from a party, like music that brings you more power. Or um date hit so is like it's like, okay, Ted is over. So it's like a mix set kind of finishing the festive vibe, but still bringing the party mood. I know I, I just like to bring vibes with me. <laughs> and the one, <laughs> one that
0: so as well made me love Vietnam C.
1: Oh yeah, Vitamin mean, C. That's the track I produced when I was in Munet. We were I was surfing there with some friends and I was recording um, like some sea sounds and I just really like to experiment with sounds. And I made like a track that is when you listen to it, you you just know that you're on, on like you're just on the beach or seeing the sunset. I haven't really like pushed my music, like my own producing music, music that much lately because um, I'm still learning, but I really want to go more into it and record like sounds or also instruments from traditional musicians but as i said so many ideas yeah yeah yeah.
0: <laughs> well i was listening to it and uh, no, i re- i really enjoy it because i do like uh, electronic music and i, I was uh, i was bopping along this morning i'm so old bopping along i wasn't bopping oh, well, along bopping i was listening to way. it and mm-hmm. it is really good so we'll put that your soundcloud uh in the show notes so you mentioned sunset spots let's then move on then to the final questions of um 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast, because one of those questions is, but we'll do it in the same order we do it every episode. So the first question is, and I still get this question on this all the time, why is the name of the podcast 7 Million Bikes? And some people don't believe me. There is over 7.5 million registered motorbikes in Saigon. That's the official statistics. There's over 45 million bikes in Vietnam. Um, road rules are road rules are more of a... Uh, what? How would you say? Road rules are more... Non-existent no, They're not non-existent But they're more
1: more, but more, Also more cars coming I don't know where the space is To be honest No
0: I know The cars are like crazy The cars yeah. are crazy
1: We should figure out The car numbers And add that And then we see Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, the, and then the bikes too And then the, the like, normal Like bicycles I mean yeah. Bicycles oh, geez, There's still some though Like I still see them And like old ladies Cycling from D1 to D2 I'm like Girl Like good on you yeah. With like this like Crazy like baggage You know know mm-hmm. uh,
0: so, what's your favorite unwritten rule of the road here?
1: So, I haven't really. So, I learned to drive the motorbike last week in Quoc. So, I can't really say I, I'm like a professional biker here in Saigon. But as I've just been on grab bike, like for me, it's just like, oh, I don't know. Like, I have no rule. I just like, just survive. I don't know. I have really no rule.
0: <laughs> just don't die. That's a great one. That is a great one. We'll take that. Yeah. That's a good one.
1: That just came out like the first second for me. <laughs> like no other rule for me. Just survive. Don't die.
0: <laughs> so now let's uh, talk about your your DJing. Sun's going down. Where would be your favorite place in Vietnam to just be chilling to that, those vibes at Sunset Spot in Vietnam?
1: I had like great, as great sunset in Phu Quoc at Episode Festival. That's at Sunset Sanato. Um, It's on the, it's like um, on the west side, kind of like in the middle of the island. It's beautiful there. There is beautiful, but I went to Dala two weeks ago and they have incredible sunset. I think no one really knows about them, but they have a lot of coffee shops where they have, it's epic. You see the mountains and you see the sun like so clear and red. It's Wow, it's beautiful, but I think what, I think with the uh, Phuket, Dalat, I think everywhere, like also in Saigon, they have dope sunsets. Oh, it's
0: one of my favorite things about know, not just time. Vietnam but nice. Southeast Asia. Was, when I first came here, it was like wow, because I think it's just well near the equator. It's, it's just yeah. different here. It's redder. It's different colors. It's so just beautiful. incredible. Yeah, like,
1: uh, is more like like red orange. Saigon is sometimes super red.
0: Depends on the pollution that day. Pollution that day, actually.
1: <laughs> and Hanoi, I haven't really seen a sunset. It's always very dusty, I think, because mm-hmm. of this pollution too. That's very clear, the sunset. I would love to see a sunset in Sapa, actually. I haven't seen one there because I haven't really noticed that. But one thing that I've noticed is that Vietnamese people don't know the sunset that much yet. I don't know why. They see it every day or maybe they're used to it. But it's so beautiful here.
0: Probably I yeah, mean, because we are not used to it, so we, we appreciate it more. Like I anything, appreciate right?
1: It so much, so much.
0: Now I haven't asked yet. Do you speak Vietnamese? Yes, I do. How how good is your Vietnamese?
1: I think it's. I wouldn't say it's like uh, like super. I, I think I'm. Yeah, no, I'm fluent, but my writing is sometimes a bit like I write without any like um, how you say accents diacritics diacritics. Yeah, I'm not really. Good I called them that.
0: accents one time when I got corrected on Facebook. Yeah. It's like it's diacritics, not diacritics, accents. Yeah. It's diacritics. Yeah.
1: Father I could <laughs> yeah, yeah. um but it's good I speak northern um the northern accent. Oh you the
0: northern accent. Yeah the northern
1: right. accent. So
0: say what do you say when you're in a beer club? Mot hi. Zo? So? Yeah not yo. Not yo.
1: But now here of course I do yo. Mod Zo.
0: Again, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's different dialects and accents between North and South. And when you're drinking beer in Vietnam in the north, they say Zo. So. Well, give me the whole chant.
1: Một hai ba zo.
0: And in the, in the south,
1: một hai ba That's one
0: of, one of the small differences that I small know. But there, there are many differences, right? So, what's your most useful Vietnamese phrase? Most used. Useful. I useful. I say đi chơi
1: đi. chơi is like let's go play, you know. Đi chơi. There's not a real like cool translation for that. Đi chơi. No. No, I don't think so. Dicho is like when you go out to, so when you were like a small kid, you the the choice is like you go play with your your friends. When you get like, when you get older, it's basically you go to the club or you go like, you go have fun with mm. your friends. That's and cool. That's a cute one. Yeah, I like
0: that one. Dicho. Nice. I'm probably saying it wrong though, right? No,
1: you said. Did I say it all right? right? Are you sure about that? Yeah, sure.
0: Um, now. So you've been coming to Vietnam on and off for many years, obviously from with your family. Um, and Vietnam has changed massively in the past twenty years. Would you rather live here now, or would you rather live in Vietnam twenty years ago?
1: Twenty years ago, it was like the eighties. Wow, I think actually, I think every time has a very interesting character. I think it. I don't know. Like I live now, so of course I I just live it because I adapt to the time. But I'm also really interested in what it would have been like 20 years ago, you know. I was here already 20 years ago because I was, no, wait, uh, I was uh, 11, so yeah. 19. May, yeah, 19. 19 really? Yeah. And I couldn't really say because I was very young and I didn't really understand the culture that much. So it was very interesting for me. But I think my age now living 20, I would, yeah, for sure. Why not, like, riding buffaloes and stuff? I was doing that when I came to Vietnam the first time, you know? And, like, chilling, like, rice fields and houses were much less developed. But I think, yeah, why not? Less pollution, maybe, you know? <laughs> less spikes. I think Vietnam had probably was much, very different. And every new development was probably much more appreciated than now. I think it's growing so fast, so... I think every time has like a beautiful thing but uh, of course I'm super happy to be here now like <laughs> let's not let's not put it wrong it's a you know?
0: difficult question right people have there very is. similar answers to you when I when I ask this question yeah. mm. now final question is what's missing from Vietnam
1: yeah great techno party <laughs> 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 like a Berlin club mm, yeah I think so
0: is that something that you maybe would be looking at in the future, one of those opportunities?
1: I mean, to open a club is like a huge responsibility, <laughs> I think. But as I said, again, baby steps, you know? Yeah, yeah. Baby steps. Like me being a DJ now, I think I've always already done like a mini step towards that. But let's see. I don't know. I'm really excited what's going to happen in the future here in Vietnam because every day I wake up, it changes so much. <laughs> and I can't keep up with it sometimes, <laughs> you know?
0: If you had a club here or anywhere in the world, what would be the name of your club?
1: Oh my God, that's so hard, the question. Raven Raven
0: Crave, I don't know. Raven Crave. Well, look, thank you so, so much. Uh, It's been amazing chatting to you. It's funny because um, I saw that article on Vice and I I saw you on there and I was like, oh, she'd be a great guest on the podcast. And literally like a day or two later, Lewis was like, Hey, I'm doing some work with this DJ called Levy Oy. And like, I told her about the podcast, she'd be interested in coming on. I was like, I'm interested in having her on. So it was a.
1: Yeah, it's so perfect. That's why I believe in, like, you know, like just be open minded, I think. And of course, I'm not like for this, is like, also the first time on a podcast, but I oh, think that's cool. why I do it because. I just want to seek out new experiences also while being here in Saigon. I'm really happy to be here, and it was such a great chat.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. So tell before you go, tell people where they can find you, follow you, watch you, listen to your music. How can people connect with Levy Oi?
1: On yeah, on Instagram, Levy Oi, or on on my SoundCloud, listen to my music. On Instagram, I post like my daily life or just like some pictures. You know all the Instagram game. <laughs> <laughs> And otherwise, yeah, in the future, I hope to do more events. So just, yeah, I, I hope to see you guys there. Or I'm always, um, yeah, I'm always trying to create new stuff. So I hope that our paths will cross. Awesome.
0: And I'm um, looking forward to coming and seeing you DJ one day yes, soon. Yes,
1: also. Yeah, exactly. That's for sure something.
0: Cool. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for being here. <laughs>
0: You've been listening to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast with me, Neil McKay. And a massive thank you to my guest this week, Levi Oi. That was a really awesome episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was nice to reminisce about uh, the old Glasgow nightclubs like Sub Club and uh, the Archies. And I always love to talk about the Chemical Brothers as well. So sorry if I mentioned that too much. Look out for more of uh, Levi Oi in the future. She's obviously breaking out, massively popular DJ now and doing some exciting things. And hopefully maybe I'll get to work with her again in the future. As we finish up season five, thank you so, so much to everyone for listening to this episode and anyone who's been listening to all the episodes this season. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. We will be back very, very shortly. I want to give a massive thank you again to our Patreon members, Brandon Thompson and Zion Johnson. I also want to say a massive thank you to Lewis Wright for everything he does to support the podcast. Lane Wynn as well, who's always been supporting 7 Million Bikes from the beginning and will continue to do so. And also a massive thank you again to Devin Grief for helping set up the new 7 Million Bikes website. Check it out. 7 MillionBikes.com. I couldn't have done that without them. And last of all, the biggest, best, and most thank you of all to my wife, Adri Lopez Mackay. Should I add, long suffering wife. She is my biggest fan and also my biggest critic, which I love. She listens to every episode. She loves them and she's also giving me pointers on what to do better and giving me little bits of critique. So this podcast couldn't happen without her. So thank you so, so much, Andrew. You know I love you so much and I couldn't do this without you. So thank you again to everyone who's been listening to 7 Million Bikes, a Vietnam podcast. I hope you can keep listening in for future episodes, which will be coming very, very soon. And I hope to see you at one of my comedy events soon. Cheers. Bye.